Well, this morning, I hope you're glad for Jesus, because he's the one who makes all the difference in our lives, both now and forever and ever. And so, for all of you here this morning, and those of you over in the venue, and those watching online, we welcome you. And on this first Sunday of 2016, we trust in Jesus, because he's the cornerstone. And uh, without that cornerstone, this building would never stand, the building of our lives. But because he is our cornerstone, he is building our lives, and he continues to do that. He has been, and he will continue to, until that day when he calls us home to be with him. And I look forward to that day. But the Bible promises that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on that day. And that's because Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, we bless you this morning and we thank you for your word and open our eyes now, Lord, that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week you heard a great message on the word of God and this morning I'm gonna be speaking also on the word of God and then next week, Pastor Rick begins a new service, a new series on the scriptures, on the word of God. And it wasn't something we planned but I believe that God did. And so this morning, uh, I've, I've simply entitled this message, Meditation. Uh, I heard about meditation many, many years ago, transcendental meditation, kind of emptying your mind. That's not biblical meditation. We're gonna be talking about a meditation that allows us to win the battle for our minds. And there is a battle. There's a battle that's raging for your mind and my mind, and it's a battle for life and for death. Absolutely for life and death. It's real, and there's no greater battle that you and I will ever fight than the battle we fight for our minds. It is your mind, it is in your mind that every spiritual battle, and every battle is ultimately a spiritual battle, but every battle, that's where the battle is won or lost. It's in our minds. If we're to win this war, we need to understand we must understand how enormously important the role of our mind plays, the role our mind plays in our Christian lives. Romans 8, 6 tells us, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life. I'd like for you to repeat that with me. Romans 8, 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Every day we are deluged with messages that attack our minds, literally thousands of messages that attack our minds each and every day. And these attacks are waged against us by the enemy of our souls, Satan. He doesn't want it to be well with your soul. There's a God in heaven who longs for it to be well with our souls. Jesus declared that this enemy of our souls comes only to steal, only to kill, and only to destroy. That's his objective in your life and in your family's life and all of our lives. Jesus also said that he is the ruler of this world. He is a father of lies, and his tactics we know are subtle. Oftentimes they're undisclosed, they're, they're hidden from us, and yet they're unrelenting. We're attacked daily, our minds are attacked daily. 
And they're designed, these attacks are designed to sabotage and wreak carnage and destruction again in your life and in my life and in the life of our families. And Jesus goes on to say, or the Bible goes on to say and tells us that this Satan, the one that Jesus said is the ruler of this world, the one who is the father of our lives, is the one who also the whole world is under the control of him, is under the control of the evil one. This present world is under the control of Satan. And and daily he barrages us with these attacks. We are engaged in a battle for our souls. It's in our minds. And Satan uses this world system that's under his present control to attack our minds with his lies and with his deceptions in an effort, again, to capture our souls, that it would not be well with our souls. And we're daily barraged by Satan's messages his messages of lies and deceptions, which can come to us in in all kinds of avenues, all kinds of ways. They come through education. They come through politics. They come through religion. They come through the magazines we read, through the books we read, through the music we listen to. They come through the medium of of television and the Internet. And all these are, are really Satan's pathways that he uses to influence our thinking in this battle for our minds. An illustration of this is, is really in a recent uh, University of Michigan study that, that, uh, that I, I read, a survey that they took. And in this survey, the results weren't necessarily surprising to me, but they're shocking nonetheless. That children ages two to five here in America spend an average of 32 hours a week watching TV. 32 hours a week. It's their babysitter. Television sets their babysitter. And by the age of 18, the average American child will have witnessed over 200,000 acts of violence. Violent acts, horrendous acts, heinous acts. And over 18,000 murders by the age of 18 watching TV. That has an impact on a life. That has an impact upon our minds, our souls, our spirits. And since 1958, thousands of studies have been been done on the effects of television, watching television, and uh, what the media does, media violence, what it does to our lives. It It desensitizes us to violence. It reduces our inhibitions. The study proclaims that it produces less empathy toward others. We don't we don't care for people as we should. It leads to more aggressive behavior. All we have to do is watch the news every night or open our newspapers during the day or even just walk down the streets on some days and we recognize the reality of that presence. And maybe some of you experienced that hostility even personally firsthand, unfortunately. Also, this study revealed that that since 1998, the number of sex scenes on TV has nearly doubled, nearly doubled. 70% of the top 20 most watched shows by teens today contain sexual content. And of those shows that are watched, the average is five scenes per hour that involves sex. You know, you you don't watch a commercial on TV without it somehow being advertised and being selling sex. Whatever they're selling, most of the time you don't have any idea what they're selling, but they're selling sex. 
And these worldly influences, and these again are just one example of the pathways that Satan uses to influence our thinking. And these worldly influences are Satan's pathways to our minds. They invade both our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. Even that which we, 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 we consciously perceive and that which we, we don't perceive consciously. Our subconscious minds filter that stuff as well. They attack the values and standards of God's word, God's truth. Satan's lies are all about attacking the truth of God's word with his lies and with his deception. They distort our sense of right and wrong. They confuse our thinking. Even as believers, our sense of right and wrong becomes distorted. They feed the cravings of our, our natural uh, fleshly lusts and our carnal appetites that always lead us to, to barren souls and lead to uh, havoc within our lives. And then they desensitize our consciences. They desense our sensitivity to sin, allowing sin to wreak death and destruction in our relationships with one another, in our families, and in our relationship with God. These are the influences of the world that is governed by the God of this age, who Jesus said is the father of all lies. And he's the prince of this age. And we're all wounded warriors in this war against our minds. We're all wounded warriors. We all battle against the enemies of lies, the lies and deceptions of Satan, the lies and deceptions of, of lust, of anger, of doubt, of fear, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of unbelief of pride, of jealousy, of worry, of discouragement, of depression, of anxiety. These are just a few. And you know where this list came from? It's my list. It's my list. These are things that I battled with. The good thing is this, I know this, that the Bible says that there's no temptation that's common to man that's not common to us all. And so if I battle these things, and I have, you have as well. Now, that's not good for you, but at least it makes me feel better, all right? Well, Jesus adds to this list in Mark chapter 7, and Jesus explains a little bit about this list that he gives to us, which again is by no means exhaustive. But Jesus said all these things begin inside. They begin inside in the mind in our thinking, in this gray matter that's between our ears, what are some of these things that begin in our minds? Evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, evil actions, lying, doing sinful things, jealousy, speaking evil of others, pride, and foolish living. I know that none of you have done that, well, I don't know that. In fact, I know just the opposite. Again, these things are true in all of our lives. I've never committed the act of adultery, but Jesus said if you've thought it in your mind, then you've done it. And see, these are some of the battles we all fight, and our mind is a place where every battle is won or lost, and every battle, again, is a spiritual battle. And we're all wounded warriors in the battle. And you may be a wounded warrior today in the battle who's thinking, you know, I, 
I have been so wounded and so injured so badly that I, I don't think I could ever recover. I don't think I could, could ever recover. And I want you to know something this morning. That is simply another lie of Satan. That's what that is. It's a lie. It's a deception. It's not what God's word says. God's word tells us something quite different. God's pro- God promises to us in the scriptures, in his word, victory to all who will trust in him and who will trust in his word. And so my key idea this morning that I hope we would hang on to and we would go home with and we would, we would, we would, we would ponder in our own lives is this. To win the battle for your mind, and it's winnable. It's winnable in each and every one of our lives. You must commit yourself. It takes a commitment. But you must commit yourself to daily meditating on the truths of God's word. That's how the battle's won. The battle for our mind that rages in each life, in your life and in my life. And it's in that place, that's the battleground where we win or we lose the battles of life. And so to win the battle for your mind, you must commit. No one else can commit it for you. You're the only one who can program your mind. And if you don't program your mind, as somebody said, then somebody else is programming it for you. All right? And that's the truth of God's word. So to win the battle for your mind, you and I must commit ourselves to daily meditating on the truths of God's word because God's truth is what counters the lies of the enemy, the truths of God's word. So I want us to look at this morning to begin with a picture of meditation as we consider meditation again, what it means to meditate on God's word. And Psalm chapter one gives us a picture. If you have your Bibles, it's also on the screens. Turn to Psalm one. And uh, Psalm one is one of my favorite passages of the Bible. And uh, in fact, it's the very first passage that I can remember memorizing as as a believer, a young believer over 43 years ago. This was it. And it set me on the course that I've continued through to this day, and I hope to continue on until the day that Jesus takes me home to be with him, and my picture ends up on the screen. And it's a chapter that uh, every believer ought to memorize. You ought to memorize this, this chapter. You ought to have it memorized, because it's a picture of a man winning the battle, and how we too can win the battle. So listen as I read. Blessed is the man, or the woman, no matter how old or how young. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and day. And night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Translation on the screen whatever he does, he prospers. What I memorized years and years ago is a little bit different. Hard for me to change. But I want us to see some things about this picture of a man who's winning the battle. 
because it's a picture that God longs to be true in our lives, and it's a picture that can be true in our lives as well. And the first thing we see is this, he has abundant happiness, blessed is the man, and or blessed is the woman. And that word blessed simply means to be happy. It could be translated, in fact, oh, how very happy. Happy, happy, happy. And this is a happiness that comes only from experiencing uh, a personal intimacy with God. It's not the happiness of, man, I'm so glad that the Giants won yesterday or the Warriors or wherever. It's a happiness that comes and exists and is true in our lives because we have a personal, intimate relationship with God. The only place this happiness comes from, and this is a man who knows God and lives each day in a personal, intimate communion with him. Let me ask you this morning, is, is this your experience with God? That you, you are blessed because you have a personal relationship with God. And if you're a believer, you do. But a daily, intimate, personal communion relationship with God is what the psalmist is talking about. Is this your experience God wants it to be. He longs for it to be. He longs for it to be with you. And it's the reason that he made you. It's the reason that he made me. It's for that purpose that we're going to be in heaven someday, that we might have a personal, intimate, close, loving relationship with God someday, even face to face. The man who knows God in this way is the blessed man or the blessed woman. The second thing we see here is that he avoids ungodly influences. Verse 1 goes on to say, Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. There's nothing greater in our lives than knowing God. Absolutely nothing greater than experiencing God and his blessings in our lives. That's something we all long for is if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we long for his blessing. We long for that relationship. Unfortunately, most believers, that's not their experience. Their thinking, their attitudes, their habits, their lifestyles are, are in essence, indistinguishable from the thinking, the habits, the lifestyles of, of unbelievers. Why? Why? Our, our, our thinking, attitudes, habits, lifestyles, our moods, everything about us, our words, ought to be different. God created us and came into our hearts, died on the cross for us. He's coming again for us so that our lives would, in fact, be different. So why is it the case that so many believers, this is not the experience of their lives? It's because of what this psalm is teaching that the influences of the world dominate and shape their thinking. They're walking in the way of sinners. They walk in the council. They walk in the wicked ways. They stand in the way of sinners. They sit in the seat of mockers. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. What you think is what shapes your life. It's what shapes all of our lives. It's what shapes the words that come out of our mouth. It's what shapes our attitudes and our relationships with others. It's what, what shapes our behavior. It shapes our lives, what we think. And avoiding ungodly influence is crucial, absolutely crucial for winning the battle, the battle for our minds. But it's not enough. 
And the psalmist goes on to say this, the third thing in verse two, he delights in and he meditates on God's word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates, he ponders, he thinks, he contemplates, he considers, he dwells on, he reflects, he ruminates, he muses, he spends time with, he dwells there, he lives there. He delights in the law of the, of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Satan's pathway to the mind is the influences of the world. God's pathway to our minds is the input of his word. And the blessed man is the man who takes great delight and has great devotion for the word of God. Day and night he meditates, he thinks, he contemplates, he ponders, he considers, he dwells on, he reflects, he ruminates, he muses on the word of God. Let me ask you again, do you, this question, do you delight in the word of God? Do you have great devotion for the word of God? I can tell you this because it's what the scripture tells us. You will never win the battle for your mind unless you do. A recent survey by the Pounce Foundation, which is a Christian research, resource, research group, reports this, and it's a sad report, that 82% of American Christians only read their Bibles on Sundays while in church. 82% of American Christians only read their Bibles on Sundays when they're in church. We have a lot of problems in our country. We have a lot of problems in our family. But when 82% of those who claim to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and, and want and desire to serve him with their life only read their Bibles on Sunday, there's going to be something wrong. You know, we look at the wrongs all around us and God wants us to look at the wrongs within us because it's only the wrongs within us as they get fixed that the wrongs that are all around us get fixed. And this is what fixes us. This is what makes a difference in our lives. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the word of God and on his law he meditates day and night. So, Meditation is God's strategy for winning the battle for your mind. And it's absolutely critical for overcoming the ungodly influences of the world that daily wage war against our minds. We cannot win without it. What is meditation? Let me give you just a very, very simple definition. But meditation is prolonged thought on the Word of God, allowing it to saturate your mind with the mind of Christ. It's prolonged thought on the scriptures, on God's word, allowing it to, to saturate, to fill, to flow through your mind and all that your mind leads to. 
with the mind of Christ, filling it with the mind of Christ. Paul said we're to have this attitude which was also in Christ. We're to have this mind which was also in Christ. We're to have the mind of Christ. How can we have the mind of Christ? We can only have the mind of Christ right here. God reveals to us what his mind and his heart is, what his will is, what his desires are, how we can win the battle. And it's kind of like a hoe. My wife likes, to, likes flowers and loves to plant flowers, and so we plant flowers at least twice a year. And then my job is during the rest of the time with a hula hoe to kind of break up the soil. Why? So that that hard soil is able to take the water and drink it allow it to saturate, not run off, but to, to run in and to provide the, the, the refreshment to the plant, the nutrient to the plant, to allow it to grow, to allow it to blossom, to allow it to bloom and be beautiful. And, and that's what meditation is like. It's simply turning over and over again in your mind. It's pondering, it's thinking, it's contemplating, turning over and over again in your mind the, the Word of God, allowing it to saturate your mind's with the mind of Christ so that our lives might be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Isn't that a great thing? That's how we win the battle. The only way to counteract the conforming influences of the world is by the transforming power of the Word of God. And the Word of God has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God works its transforming power within our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not us. We can't change us. But there's a God who can and who does as we simply begin to meditate and dwell on the mind of Christ in the Word of God. Romans 12, 2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? by the renewing of your mind. That's how transformation takes place in our lives. And that word transformation, we get our word metamorphosis from. It's, it's like the, the caterpillar that, that I couldn't remember that word last night and I had to ask somebody to, in the audience to help me, but it's caterpillar. And the caterpillar gravel, grovels in the dust. That's all he can do. He can only crawl. But he spins that cocoon and he's transformed and all of a sudden he breaks free and he flies, he begins to fly and his shape is, 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 and his colors have changed and he's beautiful. And that's exactly what God wants to do with us. That's the transformation that takes place through the renewing of our minds through the word of God. God doesn't want us to be conformed. He doesn't want us to be squeezed. He doesn't want us to be shaped. He doesn't want us to be molded by the influences of this world, but rather by the input of his word that transforms us through the renewing of our minds. And delighting in God's word and meditating on day and night is the key to saturating our minds with the mind of Christ. The navigators have uh, an illustration. They just call it a hand illustration. Very, very simple. In five ways that uh, we receive input from the Word of God. And it, there's, a, it's a, there's a little bit of a progression to it, but the first way and the simplest way is that we hear the Word of God. And that's what's taking place here this morning. You're, you're listening, you're hearing the Word of God as I'm up here speaking and as we're reading the Word of God. The second way is through reading it, where we personally read. And we, we, we read the Word of God and, and we, we receive input into our lives through the Scriptures. Then there's the study 
That can take place in men's group. That can take place in women's ministry. That can take place in your own home each day as you simply open up the Word of God. And oftentimes you just have a, a, a pencil and a piece of paper and you write down some thoughts. And then there's memory. There's memorizing the Word of God. Again, I memorized Psalm 1 uh, 43 plus years ago, and it stuck. And, uh, and I carry it with me, and it carries me through a lot. But then, finally, there's meditation. There's the thumb. And the thumb is what allows us to hold on to things. Without the thumb, we could never grasp and, and hold on uh, to, to what God wants us to hold on to. But with the thumb, what we hear, what we, what we read, what we, we study, what we memorize, when we meditate on those things, it becomes a part of our lives. So God longs that we would learn to meditate, we would ponder. Even today as you're listening, you need to, God, what are you saying to me? Because I'm just hearing some things. And what are you saying to me? That's meditating. What are you saying to me and what do you want me to do? That's meditating. And when you meditate on the word of God, blessed, blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in these things, but his delight is in the word of God. And in all these ways, he meditates day and night. And what will be the result? Listen to the result. Verse three, he prospers in all that he does. That's the result. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. This is the picture of a person whose life is characterized by, by strength and by stability. He's planted by streams of water. This is a picture of a person who is continually being refreshed and renewed spiritually by streams of water he's planted. This is a picture of a person who continually bears fruit that blesses others. A man who is planted by streams of water who bears fruit in season. This is a picture of a person growing in the relationship with God whose leaf does not wither. He's constantly growing. This is a picture of a person, a man who prospers in whatever he does. Blessed is a man who delights in the word of God and meditates on it day and night. He'll be like a tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. This is a picture of a man winning the battle for his mind. This is a picture of a man who delights in God's word and meditates on God's word day and night. This is the picture that God wants to be true for you in your life and in my life. This is the picture that God promises to you and to me if we will commit ourselves to daily meditating on the truths of God's word. This is the picture I want for my life. How about you? You know, I, I th throughout the Bible, God talks about the importance of his word. Pastor Rick again begins a series next week on the word. 
You need to be back. And, and when we meditate upon the word, God's promises are great toward us. And I'm just going to list a few, just a few. But listen to this, Psalm 119, 97 through 11. One promise is this. The promise when we meditate is a promise for wisdom and for, for understanding. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Whatever enemies you have in your life, as you meditate on the word of God, you'll have wisdom to know how to deal with those enemies, how to face them, how to fight them. Why do I have this wisdom? For they are ever with me. They're with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? For I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than all the elders. Why? For I obey your precepts. And meditation is more than information. Meditation is, is not simply about information. It's all about transformation. And that transformation comes when we, we receive the input, when we ponder and we're asking God, God, what are you saying to me? And God, what do you want me to do? And that's when we have wisdom. That's when we have understanding. Another promise, Psalm 119, 9 and 11, victory over sin. How can a young man keep his way pure? How? This is how, by guarding it. By guarding it according to thy word. I have laid up thy word. I have hidden thy word. I have placed thy word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against thee. And that's the promise. That when we meditate on the scriptures, when we when we, we ask God, God, how do I apply this? How do I work it into my life? It begins its work of transformation, not through your might or your strength, but through God's spirit. As he transforms your mind, he transforms your heart, he transforms your, your attitudes, he transforms your behavior, he begins to transform the, your speech, he begins to transform everything about you so that you become more and more like Jesus and we have victory. We have victory over sin. Another promise we find is, uh, and I mentioned this verse already, but I didn't finish it. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, so that why? You may prove. Here's the purpose. So that you may prove the will of God. And so this is knowing the will of God. What's it mean to prove the will of God? It means to experience it. It means to test it, to put it into test and find out that it's true. And when you put God's word to the test, you're going to find out that it is true. And it's true for you. You'll experience it so that you'll experience and know the will of God. And he says that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And God's will for your life can never be anything less than that. It is always good. It is always acceptable. It is always perfect. Do you need to know God's will in your life? Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let it squeeze you. Don't let it mold you. Don't let it shape you. But be shaped and molded and transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And a fourth one, and this is by no means the end. I could go on. I went too long last night and didn't get my last point. So they missed it last night. So today I'm getting it to you. All right. So you're just missing out on some verses. All right. Hopefully it's going to work that way. I'm trusting. All right. God's presence and peace. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Many of you will know this one. Finally, brethren or sister. Not sure that's a word, but hello. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is 
of good repute, lovely, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind, let your mind dwell. Let your mind dwell on these things. And here's the promise, and the God of peace will be with you. God will be with you. And the God of peace, his peace, will be with you. When you dwell on Satan's lies, you don't have peace. When you dwell on his deceptions, he robs you of all those things. But when you dwell on what is true, and God is true, his word is true. When you dwell on what is honorable, and God is honorable, and his word is honorable. When you dwell on what is right, and God's word is right, and God is, and God is right. When you dwell on these things, the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. And every need that you have in your life is ultimately answered by the presence of God, whatever that need is. The answer to every need in every life is Jesus. It's his presence in you. It's his power working through you. It's his peace filling, with, filling you. And that only happens as you think, ponder, dwell, meditate on these things. The presence and the peace of God is what fills your life. And some of you this morning, if you're not meditating on the Word of God, guess what? You're meditating on something else, but you are meditating. And that something else is never going to produce what God's truth will produce in your life. Because that other thing that you're meditating on is Satan's lie. And he wants to rob you of God's peace. And again, there are a lot of verses we could share. But let me get to uh, the practice of meditation. And here I just want to share with you some ways that you can begin to meditate on God's Word. And I've put this in the form of an acrostic. Uh, meditate, M-E-D-I-T-A-T-E, -E, all right? And so the M stands for memorize. Again, 43 plus years ago, I memorized this passage. And I've memorized a lot of passages since. My wife and I memorized passages together. I, she will be mad at me for sharing this with you. But uh, Pastor Tim Gianosa last week encouraged everybody to this last, this last week to spend time in, in Psalm 119. Psalm that's almost the center of the Bible. It's all about the Bible. It's all about God's Word. It's all about the impact of God's Word in your life. It's the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. And it's the most difficult one to memorize. And uh, I'm convinced because it doesn't use the word Bible. It's, it does use the word word and precepts and commands and a lot of other things to describe statutes, to describe the word of God. And uh, my wife uh, made it a project to memorize that. It took her about a year and a half. And she is a good memorizer. And I guarantee you, uh, I didn't join in there with her. So I do better with Verses like Jesus wept. <laughs> so, my wife, you need to know, she graduated summa cum laude. That, that's the highest you can graduate. I graduated lottie dottie dottie. So, <laughs> so I stay with Jesus wept, all right? And, uh, but she meditates on that at night when she can't sleep. And when we're driving in the car and on trips, for 20 minutes, she'll be reciting to me Psalm 119 and other books of the Bible 
from Genesis to Revelation. So I don't have to carry a Bible with me when she's with me. It's kind of nice. So, but memorize key portions of scripture, portions of scripture that speak to you about a need in your life. Isaiah 41.10, I've shared with you. I need it again this week. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Memorize passages of Scripture that speak to you. And, and maybe, as Pastor Rick is preaching, I have verses on my, in my desk that are verses that I have that are from his messages that I'm, God spoke to me. And so I typed them out, and they're there, and I read them in the morning, and I'm memorizing them. And, and so when you're reading or when you're hearing and, and you come across a passage that speaks to you or speaks to an issue in your life, write it down. Begin to memorize it and hide it, into your, hide it in your heart. The second letter is letter E, emphasize. Emphasize different words and phrases to gain insight into to what is being said. Again, blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of mockers, walks, stands, sits. Progression there, isn't there? If you think about it and you meditate on it, and blessed is the man who's not in that progression. And you see, Satan, it's a progression of what? It's really a progression of sin. And Satan, again, as we said, he's, he's relentless in his pursuit in our lives, with his lies. And he's subtle. And, and, and it's a progression that is subtle, but it's a, a progression that is sure, that draws us to a place in our lives where you don't want to be. That's the progression that we're not to have in our lives. But when you emphasize different words, you can, and so emphasize different words. D, define, define key words and their meaning. For instance, I defined the word meditation today. You know how I did that? Well, I, I did it by looking at different translations in the Bible, at different verses and passages I looked at. I did it by looking up a dictionary. I did it by looking at some Bible helps. All those things can help you to, to define and thus understand the meaning of key words. Insert, letter I. Insert yourself into the passage. Insert, place yourself there. You can insert yourself there by, by using personal pronouns such as I, me, or my. And uh, for instance, Joshua 1.8, which I've not shared, but it, it just is a, a parallel passage to Psalm 1. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Personalize it. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I will, will meditate on it day and night that I may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then I will make my way prosperous and then I will have good success. God wants you to personalize his word because it is his word and it's his word to you. So insert yourself into it. T stands for think. Think how it relates to every part of your life. 
Think how it relates to your relationship. Think how it relates in your workplace. Think how it relates in the words that come out of your mouth. Think how it relates to you in terms of your attitudes and your moods. <laughs> I, I, my wife is the most positive person in the world, and they say opposites attract. They do. And when I was born, I came out to him one look around and said, forget this. So that's me. But you know what? It's amazing how God's, God's word over time can change even your attitudes. And I suspect your attitudes need changing, as do mine. Apply. Apply God's word to those areas of your life that his word addresses. And this is the bottom line of meditation. This is the goal of all of the word of God. It's application. It's not information. It's transformation. So apply it. Meditate on and apply God's word to your life, and it will become a part of you. Matthew 7, Jesus talks about, about uh, a wise man and a foolish man. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The winds came. The rains came. And the wise man's house stood, and the foolish man's house fell. What was the difference? There was only one difference. The wise man heard the word of God and did something with it. Jesus said the foolish man heard the word of God and did not do anything with it. Apply God's word to your life. That's the goal of meditation. Talk is letter T. Just talk to God in prayer about what you're reading. Just pray through what you're reading. It'll slow down your reading. But it's you and the Lord communing together with one another. And letter E, just enjoy. That's what it's all about. It's being with Jesus. It's being in God's presence. It's enjoying him. And it's allowing him to enjoy you. Isn't that an unbelievable thing that he wants to be with you? I had a, 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 a room in my garage in Texas where I pastored back in the 80s. I was on a staff in the 80s. And I would go in there and I'd spend time there. And uh, I was reading and having my time with the Lord and and all of a sudden there was a knock on the door and I remember my attitude was not very good. And I said, what do you want? It was her little son, <laughs> 29 now. He's, he, I don't know how old he was then. But he said, I just want to be with you, Daddy. That's all he wanted. And that's what God longs that we would want with him. Just to be with him. Because he wants to be with you. So, memorize, emphasize, define, insert, think, apply, talk, enjoy. Those are some ways that you can begin to meditate. And then finally, a plan for meditation. And I hope this plan is true in some of your lives. And again, if, if the, the, those survey results are indicative of what might be true in here today, then, then you need a plan. You desperately need a plan so that 2016 would look different in your life than 2015 in terms of your relationship with God and his word. So the plan involves, first of all, this, simply make a commitment to spend time daily with God and his word and in prayer. Make a commitment. It begins there. You got to say, I need this. And hopefully today, the Holy Spirit has, has been communing with your heart. I prayed 
Open my ears, Lord. Open our ears, Lord, that we might behold. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from thy law. And God has wondrous things to share with you each and every day. Wondrous things. Oh, you may not come away with a big wow every day. My wife makes wonderful food, and some days the oatmeal tastes like oatmeal, all right? But when I put a lot of brown sugar and a lot of butter on it, oh, this is better. This is more wow. But regardless, it's what nourishes me and strengthens me for the day. But make a commitment to spend time daily with God in his word and in prayer. Set a time, a second thing, set a time and find a quiet place where you can be alone with God. For me, I've got a room at home. Our kids are all older, so I've got a room, I've got a chair. That's where I go. I wake up early. I never used to wake up early. But over the years, I, I, I couldn't tell you when I last used an alarm clock. God wakes me up. And I look forward to it at night, being woken up in the morning. First words normally out of my mouth. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Good morning, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, precious Holy Spirit. And I love that part of my day more than any other part of my day because it's what prepares me for the day. So set a time and find a quiet place. My wife, during the winter months, has her chair downstairs. And during the summer months, she's out on the patio. But find a place where you can be alone. Set a time. By the way, meditate day and night. How do you do that at night? Word of God it, 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 it's, it's to filter both our conscious and our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind's working pretty hard at night. It's keeping everything going for you. <laughs> but you can meditate at night. Make his word the last word. Give God the night key, as someone has put it. And for Yvonne and I, a practice of ours, not nearly as long as, in fact, just within the last few years, I'm kind of ashamed to say. But every night, we read the word of God together. It's the last thing we do, and we pray. And uh, it kind of locks in for the night. God's thoughts. Decide on a personal reading plan. Uh, you know, it could be a lot of different things. There are great reading plans out there. You shouldn't have a hard time finding a reading plan. You could read through the Bible in a year. You could read through the New Testament in a year. You can read through the New Testament in two and a half years, which was the case for me. And I finished in Revelation. I ended up spending six months in Revelation. There are a lot of things you can do, but you've got to decide on a plan. Just develop and keep it simple. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Again, David's prayer was, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law. It's God's word. He longs to speak to you. Read and reflect on what God is saying to you and how you can apply it. And when the Holy Spirit, as you're reading, whatever your plan is, when the Holy Spirit kind of highlights for you a verse that just stands out and he speaks to you in it, gives you a thought, then stop what you're reading and just begin to, to enjoy pondering and thinking and meditating and contemplating upon what you hear God saying to you there in that verse and how he might want you to apply it in your life. And then a final thing would be record your thoughts in a journal. I don't do this very well. Over the years, I'm hit and miss. I'm kind of a start and stop kind of guy in a lot of areas of my life, and journaling is part of that. But when I do journal and when I, I write down my thoughts, it helps me to remember 
what God is saying to me, what the Holy Spirit has said. It helps to lock it into my memory so that hopefully what I can do is I can carry it with me through the rest of the day and perhaps even maybe share it with somebody else to bless their lives as well. And so often that's exactly what God does. What he blesses me with, he gives to me to bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. And the same would be true for you as well. Well, your mind and my mind, our minds are the battlefield. And they're the place where every war, every battle that you and I fight, and we fight them every day. It's a place where they're either won or where they are lost. Will you commit yourself to daily meditating on the truths of God's word? Again, if the percentages are true, then over 80% of you, you haven't been doing that. Will you? It'll make a difference in your life. Not just for eternity, it'll make a difference in your life now. And in the lives of those people around you that you love. Because God wants to use you to make a difference in them. And they can't change until you first change. That's the principle in God's word. And so will you commit yourself to daily meditating on the truths of God's word? This is God's plan. And this is God's promise. To give you and to give me victory in our lives. And I know I need it. How about you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord, as we turn it on. Thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce the division between bone and marrow. It can go places in our lives that nothing else can go. Thank you, Lord, that it is your plan and your promise for victory in our lives. Thank you that your promise is that blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, but blessed is the man who delights in your word and meditates on it daily. May that be true in every one of our lives in this new year ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.